0: This is the Quip and Quill Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Rue, professional fantasy cartographer and illustrator.
1: Hi, everybody. My name is Jackie. I am a uh, TTRPG writer, designer, editor, uh, and I am also currently the line editor for Fallout, the tabletop RPG for Modiphius. So what that means is that I'm there from conception all the way to pretty much release. Um, usually, like there's a little bit of, of like where we lead into release where I'm not really there for, other than just to make sure that everything is there and we can just send it off. But yeah, so usually if you're dealing with like a publisher or something, like that usually there's like a there's a um, a developmental phase that will happen, and that's usually what is. Basically, where all the planning stages are, so that's usually where all the product planning happens, where the projections happen. Um, depending on your uh, in, in the depending on the publisher, there might be some bit of feasibility involved, uh, and what that means is just the the internally companies may have a, a way to determine uh, whether or not a product may or may not do well or may. Or what they're what they're, or they'll compare previous years of sales with similar products, or they might do something along the lines of, okay, well, who else has done something similar like this, and can we compare what their project? What can we use that as like a model of, of success for us, and see how that can work for us, right? Um, and sometimes it's something new entirely, and that requires um, a little bit more of of assessment, risk assessment, and like what kind of plans and goals are we expecting from this um, mm-hmm. and then from that point on <clears throat> then it's exec- then we move into basically the hiring or execution phase <clears throat> and so usually you'll have like a project manager start developing like like start orchestrating like how like the 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 timelines of how long things take what the deadlines are so and and then set those mile markers for mm-hmm. the for the projects, um, and uh, and from there we you get into the phase of like uh, assembling the the writers. So like if you're doing something big, like if you ever look at something big from like Wizards of the Coast, like when they do like a big a campaign book, you see like there's a laundry list of writers and editors. It's a big team. It's a big ensemble, um, and that involves some a, a project manager, probably so it'll either be like the creative lead or they'll have like an actual project manager who will uh, accrue and gather the teams and the writers uh, Mm -hmm. choose and then start. And then usually they'll already have like some kind of brief or outline or, or plan um, ready for the, that that comes from the project leads that then can, that they will then dictate to the, to their, the writers and, 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 and delegate responsibilities. And when the writing is, and then the writing has like a set amount dead uh, de- uh, deadlines. Um, everyone is every publisher is different uh, from my personal experience as a freelancer, so it can range. From, but usually, um, I would say sometimes the public the writing process can be anywhere from like three, like for a sh- small book. Like w- when I say small book, I mean less than like two hundred pages. Probably like a month, month and a half. Uh, for a big book like that's like two fifty to three hundred, you could probably see it closer to like three months, maybe four months, depending. Uh, mm-hmm. It depends how intricate it is, right? Um right. And and it depends on like a lot of other factors. But like so, average though, you're looking at, like three to six months is the average. Um, that's not the that's not the gold standard. That's just for like the most part, you'll you're expecting three to six months, um, yes. and then. And then that will then move into um, the editing phase. And editing can either happen during the writing phase because because usually you'll have you'll, you'll have writers writing at different rates and schedules. Um, so you can have it where you can stagger the editing process along with the writing process. so you can minimize the, the time um, on that. and so and usually so that's usually one step that a lot that will happen. In some publications, mm-hmm. uh, and then the editing process. Well, you'll have you'll have different phases of editing because there's different t- kinds of editing. So you'll have developmental editing, which is more structural, uh, big picture, uh, and so that usually happens in the early stages of like the first drafts. and And then when they start moving into the revisions and and things like that, that's when the copy editors will come in to make the bigger ch- to make the more grammatical ch- changes. Um, clean up the sentences, make them sound more cohesive, uh, make them set... Uh, if there's a style guide for a publication, then the copy editors will adjust things to fit the style guide. Albeit, though, the writers also should be writing things in a style guide, if there is a style guide provided. Um, and then... Then you will... Then, from that point on, everything kind of differs based on your who you're working for, your publication, the company. Um, because... After copy editing, it's it will usually go into layout, um, typically, and then mm-hmm. from layout uh, there. So the, so the layout. So be, and so our commission happens usually at the same time writing will happen, or write or some point after the initial writing has happened, uh, so that that because uh, the project manager will usually have to uh, commission art or have the art director commission art, and right. so and that's usually where so. Some publications they'll they'll only commission art after the the revised drafts are in. Um, some might do it when the first drafts are in because maybe it's like a cover or something they really want to get that uh, nailed in early and and things like that. Like especially like the more intricate art pieces, perhaps they might have to commission those a little earlier. Um, right. Or if they're only working with like a small group of, of artists and thus the artists have a larger uh packet that they usually have to send in um then in that case they have to also do it a little they might do it a little earlier just because they need to give the artist enough time to do the art get it approved and then like submit all of that in um so so also so usually when you look at like a big ttrpg book you'll usually see like also between the writers the artists the editors there's like a massive amount of people involved. Right. Um like like if you ever look at any Wizards of the Coast book, like especially campaign books, it's like what, average eight to eight writers at most, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. Artists easily over over ten. Um, yes. editors will range from like uh like two to four, depending on the scale of what it is and whether or not Um, because sometimes, especially if they're hiring contractors, like freelancers, you know, it also depends on availability, so, you know, that could also affect those sorts of decisions, um, and pretty much, like, once you get into, once you get into the the layout phase, um, and everything, then proofreaders are coming in to check the final bits, make sure that, like, oh, there's, like, a hang sentence that got moved over for a, a column, like, that should... The, you might want to change the sentence to fix that and things like that um, also like to check for style guide uh, make sure everything's a- a- adhering to the style guide make sure that any um, glaring uh, grammatical errors be fixed typos are the big ones that usually proofreaders are looking for um, but you know even when they have to rewrite a sentence like they're not there to do copy editing so they, so the thing is they're they're a little bit limited in my opinion, in terms of like mm-hmm. what they can rewrite, like suggest for rewrites, they can still rewrite. If, they, if the suggestion it warrants like a humongous rewrite of a sentence, then of course they'll probably suggest it still. But they'll. It's just that is something that because copy editors can still miss things too. So that so, so it can still happen. Um, it's not always a thing. Um, as, like I will say, I've been very fortunate that usually a lot of the whenever I'm hired for proofreading. I don't really catch. I, I I don't feel too terrible if I don't catch as many errors. Um, but but usually I still find plenty um, because it right. happens because when you're when you're reading something that's like uh, two hundred thousand words, which is like a like just like you know like a two hundred plus page book. Um, right. It's like you you're gonna miss something. It's not unheard of. Um, right. There's a type. There will always be a typo somewhere. There'll always be like a period missing somewhere or a comma missing that probably should be there. Um, commas are subjective a little bit, um, mm-hmm. but you know, or it's like you know, it, it, anything can still you can still find something in error. But it's just uh, it's going to be a lot. It, the, the scale is a lot different than like a copy editor where you're going to be like I'm rewriting this entire we're par- re- re- revising this entire paragraph because it does not. F- Flow coherently, and it needs to be clearer. Um, so,
0: so that's usually um, how's the different. So, I, this kind of leads to uh, an interesting thought. Um, mm-hmm. So, can we talk about how errors or how bad takes end up in a final product? So, we recently just went through this with with Wizards of the Coast and everything else, where you know, and and it's not just. A matter of hiring um, cultural cultural advisors or you know sensitivity sensitivity readers because it obviously even some of that doesn't even get to those. So how how do those things end up in the final product?
1: Uh, that can I can say that for a lot of the times um, I, I, for especially for like some of the stuff for like for Wizards of the Coast that for more recent history. Uh, like the for that kind of thing, I feel is the fact that sometimes the copy editors or the proofreaders or the editors, whoever, any, because it can happen in any of those stages. I don't know if whether or not uh, either somebody voiced because usually I I know for me personally if I see something that is um, something that is probably either. Culturally and or sensitivity wise like something that's like this is probably not the best term you should be using I'll, I'll at least flag it um, right. um, Some some publishers I have they actually have it in their style guys for like to look out for those sort of things because it can still happen um right. and um, Normally um, That will at least be looked at or addressed but like I don't know what happened, like for, especially in the situation for wizards for some of their more recent incidents. Mm-hmm. I don't know what ha- I cannot say anything. I don't know. I can't speak for the uh, for the people who worked on it. Right, but right. I can I can only surmise that that either somebody voiced if, if nobody voiced anything, then that is definitely a lapse in judgment from uh, the the edit the editing process uh, right. because. I'm assuming there's at least going to be several different pairs of eyes looking at besides the project leaders and the proofreaders, like that right. somehow that got grossly overlooked, um, and you know, if that, that, and that, and I think that's part of the reason why they said in like a, re, in a later press release why they wanted to address the process, like their, their editing, their editorial process again, because apparently there must be gaps for where that can fall through, um, yeah. Or at least they think there's gaps that, that, that they can fall through, and um, if it was flagged by somebody, it could have also been ignored because um, usually when you're an editor, when you're in edit- editor, when you're doing editorials, um, it largely depends on who has the capacity for the authority to overwrite the writing,
0: right.
1: um, because um, some places. Uh, the editors are more, more just like, I can only offer you suggestions. I can't make permanent changes versus, um, sometimes, uh, in some editorials, you can have it where the editors have, um, very, uh, strong sense of, of, of the power to alter text. And so, so it really depends on that. Um, and so I, it, it, so because I've worked for some where, where I'm, when I'm editing it's mostly just purely suggestions and so it mm-hmm. is taken at the at the, at the uh, behest of whoever receives the text and basically makes the decisions of whether to agree to those changes or not um, right. and then there are others where I've worked where it's like I make a I am I have the authority to make those big changes and so you know I can alter the text of a writer and you know sometimes it's sometimes for writers that could be nerve-wracking uh because obviously it's like well these are not my words anymore and it's like you know sometimes it it, and sometimes it's a weird slippery slope sometimes with that and so i i can see why usually which is why you'll typically see in the industry usually a lot of the editors what we'll do is like we'll provide suggestions or edits that are very pretty much just like here's some suggestions grammatical errors and things like that um um usually though I'm I'm a little like for me personally, like if it's a style guide issue, I I'm usually pretty much more a little bit firmer in terms of like any kind of pushback from a, from a writer where it's like look, I don't I understand that you don't like how this is worded, but you're this is the style guide. I don't know what else to tell you.
0: <laughs> what, what exactly is a style guide? like I I mean, yeah. I, I have a general idea, but like yeah. specifically. So,
1: so a style guide is usually a is what is basically the publications uh outline of and guidelines of how the way the wor- words are supposed to be written and the way sentences are structured uh for a product and for a publication specifically. Um so So it's not for- just like in
0: basic English like <laughs>
1: Well, it is in basic English, but it also has like there's certain ways that a sentence needs to be structured, or the way certain word choices are used. Okay. Um. So, I'll, for example, for D and D, they have a twenty-some odd page uh, style guide, and and that's not all of it, too, because they literally they, they because their technical style guide is that they use the Chicago Manual style, and then okay. basically the style guide is just the amendments to. The Chicago's the manual Chicago style, so it's so it's really it's so for that so basically for the for like D and D's um, style guide, it's more of the Chicago style manual plus an amendment, and it's a twenty page worth of, of amendments. Um, mm-hmm. And so what it is is so they so like for wizards for like D and D specifically, uh, and you can pull this up from like DM's Guild or anywhere because uh, it, it's it, it exists there. Um, and basically what it tells you is like specific word choices it tells you what words need to be capitalized uh what are considered game terms um like and and how certain sentences need to be structured for example um in the style guide for D&D usually you'll see um the sin- you'll see like the syntax of um, you'll see you'll see a lot of the times for example in dD you'll see it's you'll we'll refer to something like a target um, or uh, a creature or but you would never uh, those will be like the terms you would want to use for like a spell or an attack or an ability right. um and you'll and you'll usually structure it where it's like and and you don't want to try to genderize a, a a target so usually the style guy will recommend just use the word it's um with the exception of like a named npc or something like that where where gender is affirmed and and that's and that's and that's usually the only that'll be like the exception um and but yeah it's in the style guide where it talks about like you know refer to targets uh or creatures in your in like spells or abilities and stuff like that it will also talk about um how to structure uh the how to format like graphically how to format uh things like that so a style guide could also include like how to graphically format things like how spells like if you ever look at like a spell entry that's part, that would be part of a style guide like how how the how a spell a spell entry should look um mm-hmm. that's in a style guide uh how a feet is how the feet entries are done that's in the style guide um
0: it took me a moment uh, i thought you were talking about actual feet and then i realized you mean feats <laughs>
1: Beats, yeah. (laughs) I was like, why do feet have to be a specific? Also, also, like, uh, the weapon, like, magic weapons and items, those would also have a, they they are in the style guide, like, how to format them and stuff like that. Um,
0: How to do, like, the headings.
1: Like, the headings are a big one. Um, Headings are always a big one. Um, And because the headings are the organization of information, and so that is usually one of the first things you'll ever notice in a style guide um uh there's um and I know for like the oh, no nope. they have it good no oh, they have ex they, they'll have like they'll have like uh like uh, special cases for certain things and for specific topics in the Dean, Dean one mm-hmm. um but 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 style guides can be either very in-depth or they can be very short uh it really depends on the publisher um and depends on the project because sometimes a project might be it's like a new uh, a new IP or a new thing, right? And mm-hmm. and and from that point, it will usually fall onto either the project lead or an, or one of the main e- the main editors to compile some kind of like a style guide if they can. Um, right. uh, and and that's usually and and usually those will be like a lot shorter. Than twenty pages, there'll be like a couple pages, maybe or something like that, or several pages. Um, and it's usually, again, it's just for it's it's a it's a set of guidelines for the editors to understand for the editors and the writers to understand how they ought to structure the manuscripts, how it should look, how the organization information should flow, and um, and things like that. Um,
0: so, so, so when
1: all the all the all the things that make a game look really nice on paper that is right. really what a style guide does and make it meaningful
0: uh do, do writers need to know that before they submit things to all of you for work not necessarily a particular project like it depends it depends
1: um it, it largely depends on the publication um, because mm-hmm. like if a publication is coming with something new and there's mm-hmm. like for example if it's a new product they may not have a style guide available um and some uh, some publishers, they might have a generic style guide for like all their prop- for all their products, um, right. and that's and that would be like a universal one you use. And you might there might be an amendment for like they, like an editor or somebody might make an, an additional amendment style guide for them for that project, just so it that way it's an easier reference point for the editors to do, less so right. than the writers. Uh, and um, so usually most of the time writers. Um, it's it, like it like i said it really depends on the project some if you're working for certain publications who are very established they will most likely give you a style guide um and if you're working on like a brand new project or if you're doing like, an indie project you're probably less likely to see a style guide and that mm-hmm. will either be made after the fact or during the fact of uh, the process um right. sometimes it, or not at all uh so like so it's so that can that can also happen but for writers right. like if you're given a style guide, it's encouraged that it's encouraged and probably in your contract that you're supposed to actually present a a, a manuscript as desired by your by your by the person who hired you. Um, right. so, so if you
0: have if the company that you want to write for has your style guide, even a generic one online, is does it, you know, when you get submissions to write for a mm-hmm. project, does it mm-hmm. impress you more if somebody already knows it and submits it in that style guide, you know, or does it? Yeah. Is it just about the same, or
1: it's much better to know the style guide or and or follow it uh, okay. because the reason is because if you don't follow a style guide, that means that the the editors have to take more time out of their time to. Basically, edit something that you should. That you should, if you, especially if it's accessible. Like if the, if if you're hired and they hand you a style guide, and then you yeah. hand us back a manuscript that isn't done in following the style guide at all, that well tells us a lot of things. One, that you don't follow instructions first of all. Two, it also means that you don't read any of the documents we send you. And three, or you don't read them, in, or you don't read them carefully enough. Or three that now we have to spend a lot of time to comb through your document, to find all these, mis- to, to basically make your manuscript fit to style. Right. And on top of the fact that we have to do addition- all the other editings, like developmental editing, copy editing, all those things. Right. Um, so it's, it adds a lot of time and for a lot of things, and, um, as you know, Devin and in our industry, we're, we're even though it takes average like six to six months to a, a month, a year and a half sometimes for a book to come out, the pacing is quite fast uh, for projects. Yes, yeah. And so, the, because the reality is, uh, the, the production pipeline for most products is you have a six month pr- production window, yeah, probably. And so, you don't have so project managers edit like editors in chief, project leads. Do not like having their projects delayed because of minute, minuscule things that should not have been that could have been taken care of um, right. uh, proactively. Especially if it's from like the writer side, or especially if like and, and stuff like that. But the reality is like the because the production timelines are so short. It's it you're because any a lot of delays can really add up, and then it causes. Well, product delays, release delays, and that is never good for a, a, a company because that affects your bottom line, that affects, because you could cause, it could cause uh, a situation where a product that you were hoping to release in, like, the the, the autumn months to come out in the winter, and now you're competing, and you might, and that, not be, that might not be an ideal time period for you, and because of various reasons, either because of shipping, because of other competitors, because of the fact that, you know, you don't have as many months to accrue capital as you would have had because you maybe, because you are, because this, because like if you release something earlier, obviously you have more months within the fiscal year to, you know, get some profit back through it versus if you release it so close to the end of the year, obviously you don't have as much time. So, right. or yeah. wherever your fiscal year falls. So, right. um
0: How did, how did you start how did you get here? What's your origin story? In all this? <laughs> my,
1: origin yeah. <laughs> my origin story. Yeah, my origin story. I think I, I guess the best way to put it was my I guess for the industry in general. Like I started out as a fan and a blogger. That was where I made most of my begin. That was where my beginnings were.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I was a I was a I was a blogger and. Um, and then when the opportunity arose for people to create and publish things and sell things in the, in the DMs Guild marketplace, um, that was kind of where I started dipping my toes into being a creative and, you know, writing and creating content, uh, and stuff like that. And, and as time went on, I learned, I learned through my mistakes, through my successes and I started connecting with other people, um, and then uh, I remember the first real gig I got was working on Pathfinder for Paizo uh, uh, for Lost uh, for Lost the Lost Omens Gods and Magic uh, supplement, right. and, and that was like my first like freelance uh, uh, job I ever did. A and I was ago. It's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, Oh, okay. And and uh, so I, but I was I remember I was so nervous when I was working on it because I have not I've I've done collaborative work with like other groups and other people and it's but that's more communal. Um. So it's not and there's like there's some structure, but it's not like it's not to a degree of like dealing with larger publishers, right? Right. And so so Paizo was my first real. Big gig, and I remember feeling super nervous as I was get trying to get everything done. I, I, re- I must have looked at. I, can't, I remember. I, I always had the style guide open and going back, like doing all tabs all the time, like after every other paragraph, just to make sure I was using, I was following the style guides and right. following the formatting. Um, and that was. And but when I finished everything, um, I was relieved. I was excited, um, and I think like almost a year later, a little over a year later, uh, the, the the book came out, and everything. And I was just excited to have it um, and to see my name on it. And right. uh, and around that time, um, I was and so between the, the times it was in it was like you know after writing because like once I was done writing it, I never got much of an update afterwards, so like, (laughs) I just, only only that, like, when they were getting ready to get it published or something like that, or, you know, like, every couple months they gave, like, a status update, um, so, so, like, I would probably know a little bit of, like, what's going on, but other than that, um, I just... More than
0: us artists get.
1: Yeah, I know, because, um, (laughs) yeah, sometimes you guys don't get hear anything after the the uh, okay, we get we, we approve it, we're, we'll take it, and right. usually that's like the, that's the last time you hear anything, and yeah, and you'll be and you'll be, it'll be you'll be lucky to even get a notification of oh, by the way, here's the release date. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: No, seriously, I might hear something like at yeah. the, mm-hmm. oddly enough, I'll hear something at the beginning of a project, they're like, Yeah, this has for whatever release date, mm-hmm. and then I will hear something at best like a month or the month of its release. I'm like seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I got like 3 days to fucking prepare.
1: Yeah. You know, Something's And all- usually
0: yeah. Yeah. I'll hear it because of the industry news, not because somebody informed me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, yep. Um I I it like and that unfortunately does fall on individual publishers cuz like yeah. I know some publishers will like keep the the writing teams updated fairly regularly and then others that um usually won't yeah at all like you'll never hear from them literally even at release like you won't even know like i've had i've done work for some for some projects where i didn't even know it got released and i'm just going oh it got released oh that's nice (laughs) (laughs)
0: right right i'm like what do you mean
1: scrambling over and then i'm scrambling to social media where i'm gonna be like i have to like quickly find the tweet like come up with some kind of like 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 some kind of SEO eshy kind of like tw- like tweet was like re- retweet like quote tweet and just be like, hey, it's released. Go check
0: it out, please right. do. <laughs> I I had something to do with this. Not that I knew that it was fucking released, but yeah, uh, I had something to do with it. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. I like,
1: I- it's like I vaguely remember that I worked on this. Um, right. For so like the with- Lord
0: of the Rings, uh, um, stuff, Magic yeah. the Gathering cards. I did. I was never told the release date at all. I had to find out when so, they announced it publicly. The only,
1: so the only reason I knew about anything about Wizards of the Coast for for Lord of the Rings is because I'm a Magic the Gathering player. And so right. obviously I'm more like, I'm more squared in of like when these release dates are. But yeah. even, I will say though, I will say though, for the Lord of the Rings though, we didn't really get a real date. It's so like, we didn't no. get like a real street date until like three to four months before. And that's like Still pretty late for them usually, yep. um, because because this is because so for those who for the for the listeners so for for to understand Magic the Gathering's release schedule. First of all, they usually will. Um, they usually do like like around the third like, like third quarter of the year, like so like around like August September like that time of the year. They'll like give out like a, a brief release schedule of like what's coming the, the, for the first half of the next of the up, of the upcoming year. Yes, just to you know, obviously build hype, get fans ready to you know empty more of their pockets because we right. don't do that already. God. Um. Anyways, so so usually they'll you'll have like a vague understanding of like there's what's coming because and they'll they'll usually do like six or seven products they'll mention that are like on the schedule or at least that they're planning to release and then a lot of other smaller products that are probably good maybe maybe valuable they'll they'll interject that like sporadically throughout the year but. Lord of the Rings is, like, a big... was one of the bigger, like, universal beyond kind of yeah. properties that people were really excited for. Because the the first two were, like... The first two were, like, Walking Dead and Warhammer and those had, like, mixed reception. Like, fans loved the Warhammer ones but it was, like... But also people didn't like it because um, it just didn't... They, like, people had, like, have a specific kind of aesthetic attachment for magic and what, what it's supposed to be, which is, like, high fantasy and stuff. Yeah. So... Warhammer 40k was like in a weird spot for them, so fans were like in had like mixed reception to it. But, but it was still a good product. But it was just one of those weird things. And then, but Lord of the Rings, it's like iconic. It defined, it. It literally grandfathered the entirety of literature for for the French, for the genre. Okay, yeah, at least for the for this century, for the last century. Um, the century before, it's different. But you know, <laughs> like for the entirety of the two of the of the, of the twenty of the of the 20, of like of the entirety of the 20th century was literally all a lot of it is inspired by Tolkien's work. And so, I mean, DD is inspired by Tolkien's work. What do you want? And it's like, so, so of course it's, it has, it's important. It's big, it's high fantasy, you know, thousands of fans. And so like millions of fans. So like, you know, so when you're thinking about like the fact that the, that, you know, they, they don't tell much about it until like, Two to three months before, yeah. and the, and the thing is too with Wizards release schedule of Magic the Gathering products now, like the even the the diehards are getting like to the point where we're like, oh, it's coming out this this month. I, I I don't even know what's coming up next. <laughs> right. So, right. So so for a lot of us, it's like we it's already hard enough for even the the more diehard fans, the content creators, to even just keep track of what is releasing at the rate that Wizards the Coast releases Magic products. And this is like a and this is one that's like. I would say it's a bigger deal just because, like, fa- this is like a large fan base. It's Lord of the Rings. It's a large fan yeah. base, and yeah. it has a lot of crossover. So you're not just going to get just regular Magic Gathering players. You're going to get people who are fans of Lord of the Rings because they want to collect those things because they know you're never going to see this again, probably. So right. you know, you want to collect it even if you don't play Magic. Um, and you know, that's, that's just one, of the, I, which is totally valid, by the way. And it's <laughs> like. And, and it's just like, you know, of course, pe- so you have a lot of crossover and it's just like for even diehards, it's like, wait, we're, we're already in Lord of the Rings because it, it, it we we just like for 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 anyone who does pay attention to magic. It's like we just wrapped up the law, lo- one of the largest like uh, Infinity War Avengers kind of storyline. And it's just and then we move straight into Lord of the Rings like a month or a half later. And we're just like, oh, OK,
0: <laughs> right.
1: And it's so like, oh, OK.
0: There's a story that goes, so this is really horrible, and I'm really sorry for Mm -hmm. anyone who's Magic the Gathering fan. I don't play, I only don't play because, uh, well, one, because when I was younger and the game really started to take off, or at least amongst my friends, I watched people sink a a ridiculous amount of money that I did not have at the time. And I was like, wow, this is like crack. I probably should not pick this up. Um,
1: Devon, Imagine the Gathering literally coined the term ca- "cardboard crack." Uh, it's yeah. not a lie, right? <laughs> it is right. not a lie. All right,
0: and I'm already a really a really huge gamer, so I yeah, there's yeah. some things I just know to avoid because it's like this is yeah. gonna this is gonna end up really bad for me. So I do get asked by a lot of people, like you know, getting started in the industry and yeah a lot of what we wish we knew kind of things (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) and there's a laundry list for most of us so oh yeah oh yeah yeah. so what whether you want to talk about what specifically for what you do now or how you just got started in general what 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 do you wish you knew before you started other than like that, you were not going to make a lot of money whatsoever doing this.
1: <laughs> yeah, that one we kind of figured out pretty quickly, didn't a lot of right? Us didn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think the the I think the big one is I think going in, I never really when I like compared, then and now. I think the big one was I never fully like understood the the full scale of like a production, like the producing like, of, a, of a TTRPG, like from beginning to end. And right. having to have been a part of that multiple times, and and now in a more per, more frequent position where I do have to do interact with it from all from pretty much like beginning to end, and so it's it really tells you like how much like how much work is put into a lot of these products, and then realizing that we are still undercharging for how much uh, they are worth, given the amount of work that's put in. Right. um because I think like I know Wizards of the Coast recently said that they're thinking they're they're going be doing a, pr- a price increase and uh, and people were upset about it and I'm just going the no the cost of labor and I'm like you, if you want people to get paid fairly pay fairly and also the fact that you know the rise of cost of paper shipping and everything else and is also going up it's like it's kind of expected. I don't right. Know why you all thought that, why do you think this, is, like the fact that they've been paying $60 at all for the entirety of this time is a miracle in itself? Right.
0: And like, I want to, I want to give um, mm-hmm. a little bit of perspective to the cost of art alone. Yeah. hmm. Yo. Because as, as somebody who um, gets hired, uh often Mm -hmm. to do any of the the artwork and stuff like a full Mm -hmm. world map depending on who i'm working with is anywhere from two to four thousand dollars uh most character art is done between three uh three hundred to um i think the average is like twelve hundred yeah uh, which is not unusual at all, and it all depends on like how much is being done, how much work, you know. Um, same mm-hmm. thing with like landscapes or or uh, scene design, is yeah. you know same thing. We're we're talking about a thousand dollars, you know, or more, depending on the piece. Mm-hmm. And time-wise, you know, one of the things that I'll hear a lot, like, oh, you know, well, that sounds like plenty of money, except for the fact no. that you know, <laughs> it's not. To get paid um, for a world map takes uh, t- for me to create a world map. It's anywhere from four to six weeks, depending on the level of detail that we're going into. So, yep. at best, you know, I might be paid a thousand dollars a week, but more likely, I'm I'm paid like mm-hmm. far less than that. You know, yeah, and yeah. that's only you can only do. Um, so many projects a year you know or get contacted Mm -hmm. to do them so regardless you're still it's feast or famine you have money that you have to hope stretches out for the time that you don't have any income coming you know or don't have anything else going on which is one of the reasons why patreon is so huge to artists um but just production wise a book for the art alone is a lot of money Yeah. Much less everything else, much less the writing and the physical, you know, productions of it. But the cost of the book, the physical book itself, isn't where the biggest costs are. No. And I think that people entirely forget that and that's one of the reasons why everyone's like oh you know it's just a pdf because to you it's just a non-tangible digital item you don't think it's that big of a deal and you think right. that paper would cost more but that it's kind of like um statistically excuse me oh, oh, there we go one of the things that always surprises people when we talk about like how much things actually cost for like a restaurant let's say you know the majority mm-hmm. of their bills their food cost is only 10% yep. of of their overall bills and everything else. So it's kind of like the same thing with uh, these books and PDFs. The actual physical yep. books are far less compared to all the other expenses you have. Mm-hmm. And that yep. has to all come before you could have a PDF, much less a physical book. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's one of those things like people have to understand is like the they technically speaking, if, especially if like the publication owns a website to distribute their own PDFs. One, they don't have to pay any overheads, which is you know one of the things that like or because otherwise you you would have to put it in a marketplace and then you have to right. pay you know some you have to pay some sort of fee to attach to it. And so the thing is like if you're it, even then like so if you're doing digital you know, the profit margin is obviously much more favorable because if you own your own website and you're hosting it and you're host and then you're distributing your own PDFs, well, obviously anything you make comes straight to you, but you know, and, but the thing is, there's a lot of, but the, the production value of what you're trying to do, especially for a lot of these bigger companies, right? Customers expect to also have physical products and the physical product world, unfortunately is actually where the, the margin of profit is probably the low, the smallest because, You have to figure. You know, printing printing is already expensive as it is in general, um, and it's only gotten worse through through the pandemic um, because of shipping reasons, labor reasons, and and the fact that paper is astronomically expensive now. And right. and um. But and soon to be ink apparently. And so it's just like so you have all those factors to factor in. You also have the the factoring of like where people do their pub their publishing right. Um, some people, a lot of TTRPG's based in the United States, a lot of the TTRPG companies based in the United States do a lot of their printing through China, and so they mm-hmm. have to deal with the freight, they have to deal with the cargo, the storage, um, and the thing is also, like, and the thing is if you're dealing with, like, a uh, uh, another country, you're dealing with their cultures and their holidays, their other situations, of the political issues that's going on at the same time, so like, you have a myriad of, pr- of variables that can inevitably cause more money to be spent. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the thing is, when they do get to the United States, you have to deal with distribution. So you have to pay the distributor to house, store, and ship your stuff. Right. And then, and if you're, if you're a larger publisher, then obviously you also have, you have, you have deals with like big distributors like Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you know, like on top of it. So you have book deals with them. So they get a cut somewhere somehow, uh, maybe upfront so they can get it, you know, or whatever. And you know, so you're so you're so that and you're still, so you're owing in that in that department as well. And in the end of the day, by the time it comes from a, a concept that came out probably 15 months ago to your bookstore or comic book store or or, or game store, and then it's just like you're paying like sixty dollars when the totality of it is like
0: massively much more. Right, and it, we're not even factoring things like marketing and yeah and um yeah. all the other after creation
1: um yeah expenses. Yeah, like the, all the marketing is and marketing in itself is like it's solely dependent on the scale of the of the publisher who does it um like we know watsy has the budget for it because they do it and you know but right. others some others don't and they have to so they have to but they still have uh they most of the publishers who can afford it will have like a a marketing team or a social media team of some variety um right and so they obviously have to pay salary and wages on top of it then there's the the allocation of time right the allocation of time to build the the marketing assets because surprise it takes time to do that it's not something you can just do within 20 seconds it does take time and as much as we'd all
0: like to believe that Canva can fucking magically make us graphics for all of our posts, that doesn't uh, work.
1: I know. <laughs> and so, God's, yeah, yeah. So it's just one of those. It's just one of those things. Like, no, you have to go through. There's processes. There's steps, and and you have. So so that's why usually sometimes for marketing they like they need like anywhere from three to five months uptime to get all that ready to go, and. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it's just one of those things you, you have to you, you have to figure like the cost of a sixty dollar TGRPG book is just minuscule compared to the scale of money you have to spend for right. the 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 stuff after the writing and the editing because the writing, the editing and the art are still kind of like only like what, maybe we'll say generously a third, maybe half for some instances, depending on the publisher like probably like a third of like, of like not even a third maybe more like a quarter will will, will be more realistic it's like like especially for Watsy. it's like it's probably like not even 10% so it's like see
0: now i i'm under the impression that's entirely opposite mm. so so the people that i i talk to who do a lot of the the book, not necessarily just with Watsy, but in general yeah. um yeah. their art and writers are their biggest expense yeah. yeah, and then
2: that's
0: fair. right, and then everything after that, you know, then second to that would be their editors, you know. Mm-hmm. And although I mean, obviously printing is expensive, but I'm just referring to like just creating PDFs. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Like it's it's so yeah. All From this the to PDF say, standpoint, like
1: I, yeah. From PDF standpoint, I would say yeah. Then first PDFs, like the, most of your expenses is the artists and the writers. first and then the editors after. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Right.
0: And if if the PDF that you're creating is exactly like the book only it's just not in tangible form, that still Mm -hmm. means that it's very expensive. And it's not to say like wizards isn't making money off of their books. They clearly are or else they wouldn't be doing it. However, looking at the numbers, it Mm -hmm. still costs the same amount to do the original work which means mm-hmm. that they aren't pulling any profit or very little with the pdf than they are you know with the books and everything else yeah so it's yeah. i mean from a business standpoint you know uh the more that we're that the more that we pay for our pdfs the more that we however we choose to consume consume The Mm -hmm. stuff that for our games, whether it's books, tangible or PDFs or not, the more that we actually pay for them, the more likely our writers and artists get paid adequately. Yeah. And that's important. Or editors Mm -hmm. and everything else, because there's, you know, obviously far more than writers and artists that are doing this. Oh, yeah. If we're if we're going to talk about, especially in this industry, everyone earning a living wage... This is a hobby industry. This is a luxury mm-hmm. industry. It is not yep. a necessity even as much as some of us, you know, obviously it's very important to our lives or our livelihood or whatever. Mm-hmm. For the in comparison to all the other things that we have to to buy and and everything in our yeah. lives to survive, obviously mm-hmm. we don't have to. And even more so because this industry or this hobby I should say is so very do it yourself. You know, yeah. you can write all of your own stories, create your own monsters, excuse me, make your own maps, create your own, you know, characters. Like you technically don't need to buy anything. Mm-mm. And because of that, it means that this industry isn't uh, isn't as steady of an income as most other industries are. Right. There is a reason that a lot of us artists do not stay specifically in the TTRPG community because we can't survive doing right. just this type of art. Mm-hmm. You're right. You know, it's it's impossible. We don't get paid nearly enough. We don't earn a, a living wage. Half of us barely make minimum wage, if that. Yeah. You know. Yeah and to have people constantly scoff at how much oh, $4,000 for a world map what the fuck, listen if I could do this for free I absolutely would, I love doing what I do for a living mm-hmm. you know, my worst day doing this for a living beats my best day doing anything else Yeah, you know, i I live mm-hmm. for this I'm very passionate about my art I really, you know, I can't live without it even if I and I have tried Mm -hmm. so given the opportunity sure I would love to do maps for free you know I would love to be able to just not have to worry about expenses and everything else and I technically give some of my art away for free simply because I can they're older pieces and and not as big of a deal so to speak but right ultimately it comes down to like for the pieces I'm making again it's feast or famine and I am still not making a a living wage doing this and I am one of Mm -hmm. the most well paid cartographers in the industry Yep, and it's like yeah Uh, and I hate to say it and I understand because you know everyone's feeling the you know the tightening of a belt lately but also at the same time you can't can't fault artists for trying their best to do this for a living and ask for a decent income. It's just like yeah. every other job. You, If yeah. whatever other people do for a living, everyone wants to be able to earn enough that they don't feel like they're struggling. Why should we be different? I don't understand exactly.
1: this, you know? Yeah, like, because even like... Like even for me, right? Like I'm a regular contractor for I'm a contracted editor. I'm contracted with uh, Modiphius, right? Mm-hmm. As an ed- as their editor for Fallout. I'm also a contracted writer for a small indie publisher. Uh, for and so I so you figure I'm a contra I'm a contracted writer, right? And, right? and An editor, and I still do not make anywhere near remotely the median income for the state of Florida. Um, right. And 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 i make i think i think teachers in florida still make a little bit more than me and that's not saying a lot cuz the state of florida doesn't pay their teachers well at all to begin with so you know right <laughs> like right. and so i i'm not it's not it, it's one of those things that's like you know when the reality is is that even for editors and writers um we are they are none of us are paid nearly anywhere near the word of a livable wage. Um, right. and there's only like one or two like indie publishers who well I wouldn't even I mean one's technically not really indie, but they're larger. They're they're not it's fine. Whatever. Point is <laughs> I'm not gonna get into the semantics of what, of that, but the point is like right. there's like there's a, like one publisher who's like, you know, they're small, but they are very consistent. They do very good quality work. And you know, they pay the highest in this industry. And I can attest to that and because i worked for them and so and there's no one else no one and i've worked for plenty um that can that come remotely close to their paying price um right and the fact of the matter is if it it, the thing is like and and even that pay is like we need more of it we need more of those kinds of jobs because the reality is you're not gonna if, if like especially when you have publishers who are like asking for like you know they want the best of the best, right? Especially uh, like the large ones, like Watsi, right? Right. And they want the best of the best, and yet their pay still, while probably better than most, is I, I haven't personally worked for Watsi, but from what I understand, um, they do pay pretty, they pretty, they pay you know somewhat decent, and so it's like, it's like. Okay, even if the if if we're if we're talking like the top dog that makes billions of dollars in the industry, the only top dog that makes a billion dollars in this industry, right? And the fact that like they still don't even pay the highest wage earnable from a smaller company, you're like, okay, clearly something's missing. Um, well, there but is, but, but they're, well, they well they have more overhead. They have they're bigger. They have you know they have lots more different costs. So there's a there's different reasons why they have to pay. They charge they charge differently, but. The reality is like we could there needs to be something.
0: No, I I genuinely believe that there isn't a conversation happening regarding mm-hmm. pay in this industry. Oh yeah. Because yeah. so many of us get a job or get offered a project mm-hmm. and so many of us like, oh I need that as a credit, I need to have my name on it or this will lead to other work or whatever. Like, we're just told, you know, what they're going to pay us by a lot of Mm -hmm. companies. And I think that we need to change that.
1: Well, yeah, I agree. Like, I think we have to, I think, I think the thing is too. a lot of these publishers and especially a lot of other people, they don't expect pushback from like freelancers, right? right? They don't like, especially when they say that's too low for me. Can you bump it higher? Right. And some so and because I can attest, um, I've been ghosted before, um, from yeah. asking that before. And others have been kind of and the thing is like um and the thing is like that's just and the thing is like because they don't expect they don't expect to get any pushback. They just expect people to work for for whatever rate you name. And and the reality is is like the industry has still a long way to go when it comes to Equalizing pay or making more equitable pay, um, livable pay, and and it needs to really it, it needs to be brought up more often. Like right. it, it's it because what happens is it'll come up it'll come up in the discourse once in a while and then it gets quieted down and then and then we repeat this cycle like six months later and right. um because when because probably because someone worked on like a big prolific project and finds out that like they only work they got like pittance for their for their efforts and it's just like. If, and, and the reality is like that. That's very common. And yeah, and the, and the thing is like, and and the worst thing is I have to say is that um, sometimes because I because I've been because I've looked at rates from other, from writing professions in other industries and genres, right? Right, and it's wild because when I looked at like sci-fi writing or fantasy writing, right, like. The like the entry ballpark, is like where is almost the same as what most most of us in the industry have considered like the bare minimum, which is not even that good either. It's like ten cents a word for writing, right? Yeah. And ten cents a word of writing, by the way, it, for for listeners, that's not a livable wage. Just so you know, it's not no. even bare. It's not even minimum wage, like livable. It is like absolutely. Like the lowest you can humanly go that even with even with everything, it will amount to it'll probably go away within twenty it's like not even a month's worth of pay. Like a month's worth of pay. It's easily let not even a week. Uh if right. you do like ten thousand words, fifty thousand words. And it's just like um it's not, it's not worth it. And and the thing is like but that's like the that's like an industry entry level standard. I'm not going to lie. That is literally yeah. an entry level. That's in, that's considered entry level for most publishers. And and you're like laughing at it cuz it's like 10 cents does nothing for you. Um and and the thing is when you look at like other like other uh like other industries of writing like like sci-fi fantasy writing, right? In the the Sci-Fi Association literally like you know they 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 recommend averages like also around ten to twelve cents, and you're like, who the hell pays? Them? Why? Right. Why would you? Why would you do that? And by the way, just so anyone knows, for who wants to fact check it, that that was like that was a recommendation from 2019 before the pandemic by the way so right. can you can you imagine that before the pandemic they still consider 10 to 12 cents a word a livable wage from even the people who hand out the hugo awards
0: right like it's 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 absolutely ridiculous you know yeah and yeah and-
1: Well, even, like, when I first started in the industry, right, and this is, so we're talking, like, 2015, right, and, which is not that long ago, there were still people in this industry, like, like, actual publishers, who were paying, who were, who were paying out three cents a word for writing. Yes. Yeah. That, like, the last five years in this industry have been the most monumental amount of monetary change but it is still so far behind because when they made the change, that was mostly for the simple demand of the fact that the that people wanted to be paid more equitably, but not including. But the problem is no one factored in inflation yet, which has, you know, for the United States, for anyone living in the United States, it's like averaging 12 to 15 percent. In some places, 20. So, you know, it's it's like with like 10, like 10 cents was something we needed like a decade ago. Now yeah. we now if you want something more livable probably the more ideal number is probably closer to like 30 cents a word or writing.
0: Right. And and again this is why we have the hustle culture. Yeah. This why is we, why
1: we have burnout the, everyone plus yep. all of us every time exactly. every minute.
0: <laughs> there are there are genuinely times where I'm like I can't I can't do this. I, I recently got offered a project and I went to start mm-hmm. it and I, I immediately. I no. Yeah. You just I said no. Like, I
1: know. Uh-huh. Can't.
0: Can't. Uh-huh. Because sometimes as you know, and I do, I create art a lot, but I create art, you know, for myself as well.
1: Yep. And we have to, we have to, <clears throat> yes. we have to create stuff for ourselves. Otherwise, right. us as creatives literally lose our minds. Yes.
0: Yes. Uh, there's nothing worse than feeling like all you do is stuff for other people, and it that promotes burnout far quicker than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, you know, I went to do the project, and I, I honestly, it wasn't super difficult or anything else like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I sat at my desk the entire day, starting and then restarting and then restarting and then restarting because absolutely nothing. I was doing Mm -hmm. I liked and then I was like oh maybe it's just the day and you know and I went and played some video games and watched a movie and blah 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 and then tried to do it the next day and it was the same thing and part of that is you know it's really hard when you're working in one you are you feel like you're always creating other people's ideas Mm -hmm. and then you're getting paid I mean, for sometimes you get paid great, but again, it's not, it's not stable enough in these types of Mm, projects as a freelancer. Yeah. And then on top of it, you'll get minimal praise or you'll get like, oh, that's great from the art director. And then 90 something percent of the time, you don't hear anything about the work that you create. There's very little reward in, especially in smaller projects where, at least art-wise because that isn't always true in, mm-hmm. in other ways, you know, and we have people that you know, obviously follow our art or our writing and they'll like oh my god, no, I need to get this because you're involved which is fantastic but again still, we'll get oh this looks great yeah. that's it, and then it dies yeah. down because, you know, within a few days of anything being released, the world fucking forgets mhm and you're back to like, okay, how do I keep my name out there? How do I keep people wanting to hire me? So you are immediately like, all right, got to move on to the next project. Yep. You know, yep, and it's
1: it's, yeah, oh, it's,
0: it's, it's, it's a lot.
1: It's a lot. No, um, and I can attest because like, even though I'm contracted with Modiphius, I still do some freelance work from time to time. And mm-hmm. and, and it's not because contractually, it's nowhere, it's not stipulated anywhere in my contract that I'm, I'm exclusively working for Modiphius. Right. Uh, that's not the same. Uh, for, for I do know for a fact that like for like Wizards of the Coast, you know they have an exclusivity in clause in for their contracts, and so you cannot work on for anyone else other than Wizards. And right. um, so, especially if you're like a, a designer, specifically a designer, not an artist. Artists are different, but yes, um, unless you're in one of their like internal artists, right? Again, different, but so the yeah.
0: So let's quickly explain, especially to anyone who is new to this industry, the difference between being an employee, being a contractor and being a freelancer. Yeah. Because as an artist, when you're an employee, um, an employee or a contractor, you're considered work for hire, which means that any of the work that you do, the company that you did it for essentially owns it. Mm hmm. And you can't resell it. Can't do anything really with it. It's still yours because you are the the original artist. So it's still considered your art. But it's not something you can resell. And it's now their IP. Yep. Right. As a freelancer, okay. you can change that in your contract however you want. Um, but a freelancer is essentially somebody who still will sign a contract, but it's it doesn't have. Anything beyond a per project deadline, so yep. there's no like every week, there's no monthly, there's none of that is involved because you're a freelancer. And if there is a timeline involved, where like oh you know you're going to work for us for eight weeks or two months or whatever, that's contractual work, mm-hmm. as opposed to being an employee. And an employee is obviously full or part time, where like there's no there's no deadline. To how long you work, yeah. yeah. I'm assuming this is the same for writers and editors. for
1: For most cases, yeah. Um, for freelancers and contractors, sometimes those they, they're very uh, they're very similar. Um, it really depends on the publisher uh, because some freelancers can become contractors just by the right. virtue of. Um, just it depends. Like for a freelance, if you're you will. As you said, uh, for freelancers, uh, usually it's for per job uh, you'll get a contract, maybe. Uh, most nice. likely. Most of the time they will. Especially from a big publisher, it's usually per job uh, because they have to for legal reasons. Um, yes. uh, but for contractors, uh, you will notice your contract is vastly different because you will not have a jobs section in yours. Instead, it will detail responsibilities, Yes. Um, and that is a totally different matter. Um, so when you have responsibilities, then it's, it dictates basically what you are responsible for, what you are in control of, what you have, uh, what are your ex- what the expectations that you have, um, and wh- and whether it is on a weekly, biweekly, monthly scale, uh, usually. Um, and the
0: pay is different for each of these.
1: Yeah, sometimes uh, con- for contractors and employees, you're they you will expect to see either a salary or uh, per by a some kind of like per hour premium rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, in some instances, if you're a contractor, they may what they may sometimes do, depending on what your your duties are. Uh, maybe they don't do hourly for like a contractor. They might just do uh, they might just give you a better rate. For right. the writing and the editing, depending on what it is, mm-hmm. um, and so that is different too. So you know that's the difference. Usually, contractors are because the thing is, the idea is that contractors they're you're they're likely to reach out to you for more work, um, but your availability has to be more open. Um, that's yes. usually what the expectation is. Or in my case, I am the con. I am the I am the actual editor for Fallout. So that means I actually am regularly working on fallout uh that's yep. that's it's not even a, a, a euphemism i am literally working on fallout all the time um and so um so that's just one of those things it's part of my responsibilities part of my duties part of my and and it's de- it detailed in my contract um some contracts are uh have like have end, have start dates and end dates like maybe you only contracted for a certain amount of time like if like like you said if for a freelancer if they like want you working for like certain amount of months then it's, it, you're, you become a contractor at that point, and I mean, but the different and they will and it will stipulate like when it ends, when it be like when it begins, when it ends, stuff like right. that. Um, uh, in in and, and obviously for employee and for employees and contractors, uh, for the most part, um, usually, um, obviously, uh, you are there until terminated or your contract ends, whichever comes yes. first. Right, um, and. Uh, the employee, the difference with employees is that you actually get the you're actually an employee. You get the the, the, the entitlement that comes from being an employee. Which for most places in, in like United States or western uh, western countries, that means you might have access to healthcare, uh, healthcare, retirement plans, stuff like that. Right. Um, contractors do not have access to those. Things.
0: Right, and that's that's a big thing uh, to absolutely state, especially when wanting to work in this space. The majority of people who work in tabletop RPGs are contractual or freelancers, which means the majority of us do not have or or don't get health insurance through any of these jobs. No, we don't. We don't have any benefits. We don't have any um, security plans. We have we have no retirement plans. None of that is done, even with you know i've never heard of somebody getting contractual work and having any of those uh only as an employee
1: right and those are few
0: and far between
1: yeah and the only thing and the problem and the problem with a lot of specifically the last this particular era of um contractors freelancers in general the problem really stems from the fact that like um Getting access to healthcare, getting access to retirement, uh, saving retirement plans of any kind um, is is a humongous financial barrier for anyone in this industry because unfortunately, it makes this entirely unsustainable. Um, yeah. And and I am one of the very few fortunate souls who has a retirement plan on um, individually. And um, like I said, I have I really privileged on that front, and you know I get. Healthcare from the Affordable Healthcare Act. That's the only way I get my healthcare. Um, right. And I just have to deal with that. But, and then and it's one of those, it's one of the important things of why um, for freelancing, if you're coming into it, you have to understand that you are working for yourself. That means also you have to deal with all the tax related things as well with it, um, yep. on top of the fact that you have healthcare. Cause you're, mm. uh, cause you, cause. Uh, yeah, because, Devin, I'm sure you and I have had to have had the, that nice, long sit-down to ourselves and probably to someone who is actually an accountant uh, to basically go, well, where are we at <laughs> with this oh, and yeah. where do I need to be? Um, yeah. So, like, and and the thing is, like, it's it's a very, it's not it's not something to very take lightly um, if you're planning to be really serious about it and being really into it, because, um... It's because the thing is, if you're a contractor or a freelancer, the you, you will always run into the problem of that because of everyone's productions pipelines. Um, a lot of our publishers, not everyone is going to be, not everyone's going to always have work every month or right. every week. They may have it. They you you what you will see my nine times out of the ten is that there's about a handful every quarter trying to do something, and so and because of that and because there's plenty of freelancers and contractors like looking for jobs it, you're it's literally like a fish fry you're you're fighting for, you're all just going you're all in this giant tank looking for a job right we're um,
0: all lobsters
1: yeah we're oh god yeah we're all <laughs> lobsters we all, we all get crusty and full of barnacles um <laughs> I was just and, thinking we're all just
0: waiting to be taken out of the tank and served for dinner but that'll work yeah that's true
1: yeah. um <laughs> Pick me, pick me, pick me. So it's just it's it's and that's the and the thing is like you know a lot and the thing is a lot of that gets some of it can, can has been can get mitigated from like the indie scene and stuff like that. But again, it's the indie scene is still limited because they cannot do any they don't it, the scaling versus bigger publishers is 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 is, is night and day. It's vastly different. So. Right. You know, when you're having like an indie creator uh, hiring you for, and usually the team, the team might just be you and one other person. It might be just, it might be a handful of you, like five, six, maybe. Sometimes you get lucky and you get to like a larger project that might have like a dozen people in it. Um, but but the thing is, you you're the the it's still difficult for even indie creators because you're talking about indie creators who are successful enough to pay other freelancers and contractors and Mm -hmm. that is that is still something that not everyone is capable of doing and so and the thing is like some of these indie creators sometimes they're paying out of their own pockets because they're working they have a day job and so they're able to you know use the second income of the indie of their indie creations to keep to keep them afloat right because that's what i used to do i used to do that i had a day job and and in retail and i also uh did rp and i did freelancing on the side to, as, as extra income um mm-hmm. and i had and and i was at the time i was promoting a lot of my stuff from like dm's guild fairly regularly and so like all of that was actually like a decent okay livable wage for for me at that time um Like, I wouldn't say it was like I was living, you know, above the 50 percentile median income in Florida. No, I was nowhere near it. But I was like, I was still, I was like, I could live in a way where I was like, all right, I'm not worried about paying my bills this month. I'm not worried about, you know, having, if I have an emergency, I can't pay for stuff. Like, unless it's like an exceedingly high amount, then maybe I will be. But it's like, I can, I have emergency money. I have, you know, I can, I can afford, I can eat reasonably okay and stuff like that, and and I don't feel and I don't feel like I'm ultra pressured to like. We're not for constantly
0: every- living on ramen every day.
1: Yeah, right. And um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and ramen's going up too. That's the worst. Oh. when you know the world is ending.
0: <laughs> right? Oh my God! No, anything with that.
1: <laughs> when the ramen has to go up in price, you know you we all messed up in a in a in some capacity,
0: <laughs> right? Jesus, <laughs> anything you know you would figure mm, that is such like- a table
1: <laughs> it, it's like like when you hear the eggs price going up because there was a it was a there was an there was a bird a bird flu pandemic that wiped out a bunch of chickens in like asia and you're like well oh, you're like okay i guess that will affect us for a bit and but right. but no when the ramen starts going up you're like Okay, wait a minute. (laughs) We're fucked. We're fucked. We're fucked. Like, like, wait. We're like. You're like. Wait a minute. This Manchurian pack here used to be ten cents. What do you mean it's twenty five cents now? No, 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 no. (laughs) That's that's literally another pack and a half that I could have had.
0: Wait, what the hell is this shit? So, how do I buy in bulk enough that it's still (laughs) ten cents a pack?
1: Like, like, what the (laughs) fuck? We. What the fuck did you do to cause this to go up? And then, and and, among other things, like, so. So, you know, so the thing is, it's like cost is going up and prices and and we just need to need to catch up because we are all trying to just, just, we just want to live. Okay. We don't even want to like live in luxury. Like, like we just want to at least be able to like go, okay, I don't feel like I'm going to panic if there's an emergency in my bank and and I have money in my bank account, you know, to pay for some of this emergency, you know, whatever. Um... It's like, I mean, that's literally like the the, the the state of comfort most people are just trying to achieve presently, let yes. alone like the idea of, oh yeah, I can now buy a yacht. Like, <laughs> just, like right. I really don't want to, but first of all, I wouldn't want the expenses for that. That's awful. Um, Anyways, so like, it's just one of those things, like the, 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 the disparity of just I wouldn't even say the disparity. Just more like the the gap that people think the of the perception of like what people think that they need to be comfortable versus right. versus like people thinking oh we just want to succeed. It's like no 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 those two, those two things can be the same thing, but also succeeding is also vastly a different thing. But we're right. we just want to live. That's the bare minimum we're trying to achieve right now, and right. nowhere near that word. And it's just, like,
0: just I just want to so, I just want to safely be able to pay like my rent or my mortgage and and buy food and not right. feel like I am I have to pick between electric that, you know, that right. month or, right. you know, and obviously we don't have a choice. Internet's how we make a livelihood. So that has to be paid. But, right. you know, and, it's and like, so, oh, maybe yeah. I will live on ramen this month because that's all I got left over. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's the, and that's the and yeah because especially for like freelancing now, especially in this modern era of it's like everything's remote or mostly yep. remote. And thing is, like, we literally have to rely on the internet. And so when we hear the nonsense of like a country like the United States, for example, not you know considering making internet a a public utility, we get angry because it's like you it's like we literally live on the internet now. I don't know what to tell you, um, right? <laughs> and and so. It, it's just one of the many things that for for a freelancer you have to really be considerate of like your the, the things you need to function as a as a freelancer, right? Because like we both like De- like Devin, you and I need the internet. We need the internet to literally yep. do anything. And um, and the thing is, like I had a what was it? I had a, a, a an F two tornado come down like not even a mile from my house what a couple months ago
2: yeah. and
1: and I lost power for like two days and that disrupted my ability to work and it's like and that's it's a reality like we have to live with and like th- that's just the thing natural disasters are a thing and you know you could lose power and when power goes out there's nothing you can do and for yeah. a freelancer that is probably like the most terrifying thing especially when you have deadlines um because now you're in a position where you can't you might not be able to fulfill your deadline and also you have no power so you your phone might be slowly dying and therefore you don't even have enough time to you might just barely be able to get an email through to just be like i cannot fulfill this deadline probably just be just fyi (laughs) yeah um and and stuff like that because like and the thing is like especially like where i live in florida we go through hurricane season and probably this year as it's 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 forecasted to be probably the most violent hurricane season unless by sheer miracle we avoid it all and and so like you know i already even i even had to forewarn you know a lot of my 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 uh my contractors and employers and and whatever and tell them like hey just so you're aware this is going to be a thing in florida and so um, there might be occasionally a delay on things right. because a giant hurricane is coming, whirling my way, and it, and because FPNL has has lobbied to basically never be uh, sued by the, by any uh, civilian for not upgrading their, their tech ever um, or their infrastructure for that matter. So therefore, mm-hmm. I can I can I can only voice my my anger and not be not be able to sue them. Uh, so, you know, I get to deal with a, a, a flimsy infrastructure. Uh, great. That's great.
0: Not even not even to mention what it's like for those of us that, you know, are disabled.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, if you're disabled, it's it's much worse.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, aside from the fact of like, okay, yeah, we don't have regular insurance or anything else. We have to hope that we make enough to either get it through the affordable care ca- uh, package. Uh, act, there we go, or you know, something similar Um, but on top of that we still have, everything for us is pretty much out of our, out of pocket Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and Mm -hmm. because we have no employee benefits or anything else, working a regular job, but yet this is the, for a lot of us, this is the best kind of job that we can hope for Mm -hmm. so A perfect example of this is my, I have um, an immune disorder and it causes me to have sporadic fatigue. And I don't mean like, oh, I just, you know, don't have any energy. I mean, I can't stay awake if I tried, you know, and I will just literally just fall asleep because I am absolutely exhausted and it can be random and it can be random from day to day or week to week or and I have no control over it so you know I can't it's impossible to tell a regular employer like I'm good now but I have no idea what tomorrow or the next week or whatever is going to bring so having a regular 9 to 5 job for a lot of disabled people is not even an option.
1: Nope. Yeah. You know, I I mean even for me too because like I deal with chronic pain all the time, and mm-hmm. like, and the thing is, some days I'm good, other days it's tall. To- most of the time it's tolerable, and then the worst days, uh, the pain is so severe I cannot work, and I'm literally just bedridden for the whole day. Yeah. And yeah. They, it's just, and it's just one of those, and, and the thing is like. It's it's it gets harder, especially for like disabled for uh, for those of us who are disabled or for those of us who or for people who go through like chronic pain or other difficulties. And you know, it doesn't get better when you get older. By the way, most of the time,
0: no, it doesn't. And
1: so, and so for and for those of us aging into through the industry, it's like we just we just have it's just like that daunting feeling every time of just going. How much longer can I get away with this before it really becomes a problem? Yeah. There
0: is, there is a reason I I was like, you know what, maybe I'll start a podcast because Mm -hmm. it doesn't require me drawing for a ridiculous amount of time every day till I eventually give myself arthritis to the point where I can't create.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah. You know, all of us need to
0: find other forms of income in order to sustain this for a living. So I'm hoping that this, I mean, I can, as you know, I can just talk forever. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we both can. Hey, you know what we could do? We could always just do a food-only podcast and just literally rave about stuff for like hours on end.
0: I mean, we might be the only people listening to it, though.
1: <laughs> that that is also true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but,
1: yeah. yeah, no, we
0: can talk, yeah. we can talk food yeah. until we're blue in the face. Absolutely.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah I but no, wanna... I I feel I feel you on that. I feel you on the arthritis cuz I unfortunately have it in my in my knuckles, in my fingers. Yeah. Um. Because and that actually made me stop playing the piano because of that because the pain is very severe. Um. So which is funny because they're like, well, how about typing? Like typing doesn't use as much pressure as like literally playing a a a Chopin piece or a Beethoven piece, right? (laughs) Like I literally just tap. I I have I have a mechanical keyboard too, so it's like tapping is very gentle relative to that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I uh. So, I do want to. Oop, apparently, I wanted to hiccup. Uh, (laughs) I do want to, for all of the negativity that we are talking about, I do want to talk about the positive side to it. Oh, yeah. Why we do this. Let's talk about um, like the best parts of it because I love that. I love that moment where somebody comes up to me and tells me a story about a map that they've used or have someone like, mm-hmm. Can I have your art tattooed on me? Or
1: <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> you know. I yeah. I oh, I I re- I think the I think I remember one of the I think I started remembering when I start getting private messages on my Twitter of people running my adventures and asking me for permission to either stream it, record it, or whatever, and I'm just like you don't really need it. I'm not, I don't have, I don't have the, the time to like have lawyers hunting people down. It's like I'm, right. I'm like, I'm like, I wouldn't have known otherwise, but thank you for letting me know. But, um, yeah, like, I think that was when I started realizing like, oh, people actually do read my stuff. Wow. <laughs> um, right, right. And, and, um, so I think for me, I will always remember, um, the fact that like people when people do reviews I think that's when I think that's the other thing too when people do reviews of my stuff and I'm just going what people review my stuff I know they're not the greatest things in the world but geez." <laughs> um but yeah uh, I think my favorite one I think one of my favorite ones is um I came I, someone it was like for it's, it was for like a a, a, a one page RPG TTRPG I wrote and it was for right. it's like a, it fits like in a little brochure, and it was like a space themed one. And somebody, yeah. one of uh, somebody, reached out to me saying that they were going to stream on their Twitch, and they just wanted to let me know. And they think it's a, and they thought the game was really cool, and they really are looking forward to doing like playing it out and everything. And so I happened, so I was like, oh well, oh that's cool. And then I saw, and then I looked at their profile and saw their the link for their Twitch. So I decided to hop in and watch them play it. Um, just for, because I had, I had time, and right. it was like on a week, it was like on a weekend too. So I had time at that moment. So I said, like, "Yeah, I have time. I can watch this." and So I watched the whole thing. I and I commented towards the end of the stream, just saying, "Hey, y- y'all did a great job." and They're like, "Oh my god, you're in the chat!" And I'm just like, "I, it, it, I'm just here, and I enjoyed what you did, and it was great. Um, yeah. And it was great to see the game run, and because." Um, I, I like, like, just like for you, like having someone come up to you say, "Like, I'm using your stuff. I'm enjoying what you did," and and it's a very satisfying feeling. Yes, um, knowing that you didn't just make something for the sake of making something, and that somebody's actually using your stuff, and you know, and they're enjoying it, and they have, and they and they get to build memories with it, um, and things like that. I think that's always been one of the biggest takeaways
0: yeah i i think that and i highly encourage this if you have a favorite author writer or whatever always let them know because even Mm -hmm. if we say very little more than like thank you it's usually because we don't know what the fuck to say
1: yeah we we really don't because we really because as you said we don't get a lot of praises in the through our processes right um like for generally, like I'm I'm not that way. I'm usually a little bit more I'm usually a lot more I, I put a lot of exclamation points on my stuff. But anyways, <laughs> but like but in general, like we don't hear a whole lot other than, oh, this is great or this needs to be changed, this needs to be adjusted, or whatever. And so there's a point where we're like, we created something, but we don't feel anything afterwards because we're just right. like, okay, we did it. And I guess we're I guess it's the next thing. We're on to the next thing because we have to because otherwise we're not going to get pay our bills. So, right. you know, we don't even get to enjoy the fact that we made something because it's like we have to literally do the next thing. And yeah. I unfortunately have like, I have, I have such an ADHD memory that the problem is for me is sometimes I forgot I even did something. Um, so because I'm on to the next thing already both for my ADHD and for the fact that I need to pay my bills. And so it's just like, so it's like, it's a double whammy of me literally forgetting that I worked on something. And so sometimes I'll see something get released and I'm like, did I work on that? I feel like I worked on it. Oh, I did work on it. And, you know, so it's like, which is terrible when you're trying to update your like your resume or your or your oh. or your like or your portfolio because you're just like i don't remember what i worked on right and then, like, know, and, then and then the other half of it is like in our industry is like is this under an nda is this under an nda what oh, is that that's an NDA? the worst and just because now now for some companies it's easy because like you know like for watsi it's like just, there's a blatant nda it's, it's not even a mm-hmm. joke and it's like it's like you already know it's coming and yeah but like some publishers like they're not they don't have any or some are just like they, they don't really legally have a binding like nda but they're like please don't say anything until we're ready to like you know s- reveal it and everything and you're like okay and you forgot the entire time <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> right <laughs> and, and and so you know it's it's one it's always one of it's always a combination of that it's either an NDA or some vague part of like maybe don't say anything until it's revealed or there's no NDA you can say whatever you want and it's just like and you and so sometimes you're just like uh, you're playing you're, you're literally doing Schrodinger's NDA It's like okay is this an NDA or not <laughs>
0: right right see i actually have a list because of all the different yeah. people i work with i have a list yeah. you know well one i have a uh, everybody has to have a process now to work with me because I am so tired of of weird shit happening. Everyone has to have a contract blah blah blah. So I actually have a pipeline Mm -hmm. that they all follow uh, in order for me to work with them. And I specifically have like NDA or not because there's uh, there's way too many and it's not even like I work with so many people. It's because so many people don't fucking uh, release their products. Mm -hmm. until well after i've worked on them so i have things that i literally have done over two years ago that still have yet to be released
1: yeah it happens right so i
0: won't and and as far as i know uh it's still not going to be uh released up until i think 2025
1: yeah and sometimes like especially for like ndas You could be in that that really sad situation where you worked on something, you finished it, you turned it in, and then like the owner, the the, whoever you turned it into, like the owner, the company, the publisher, whatever, goes, "Yeah, we're not going to end up using it." And you're like, "Great, I still can't say anything. This sucks." Oh
0: yeah, yeah, I have something like that that I worked on years ago.
1: Yeah, and it's it's
0: one of the reasons why I've changed my contract to specifically state if you don't use it within a year of whatever uh Mm -hmm. deadline or whatever that i'm allowed to publish it under you know my name and and sell it blah 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 but Mm -hmm. so help me uh i didn't have that in my initial contract so Mm -hmm. i still Mm -hmm. have something that i made uh uh 2017.
1: oh speaking of clauses one big one in this for this podcast Make uh, sure, for, if you're a freelancer or a contractor, you have an exit clause in your contracts. Yes! Jesus uh, Jesus Christ, the amount of contracts that exist out there, and even from big ones, where there's not a single exit clause. There's a termination clause, which is not the same thing, and, right. and it's like, and you're just going, you're just, I'm just baffled all the time.
0: Right. Let's talk about what that is, and why that's necessary.
1: Right. So an exit so an exit clause is so the difference between that and a termination clause. So a termination clause is usually when somebody wants to terminate specifically the contract, right? right. And versus an exit clause, which is we want to uphold the contract, but we're separating, we're amicably separating. You yes. know? And that's usually what that's the general gist between a exit clause versus a termination clause. Mm-hmm. Um where so the termination is that the vo- contract will end up void and null and and parties all move on uh, exit clause is the contract is still in t- is still in act uh, and sometimes there will also be a point where the ex- the contract is no longer applicable but it depends but generally speaking it's like the contract is still in effect but the but the the the, the, the pursuance the claimants and the contractor are moving away from this and we're moving beyond it and so you're right. separating usually and usually and the thing is like that is usually a thing you want to have especially when maybe for example because it's happened to either myself or others who've who've dealt with this in the industry um where you're working on something and partway through maybe there's a conflict of interest there's or conflicting ideas or conflicting decisions uh where decisions are not where you know you, you don't agree with the decisions made and there's conflicts there and um but you want to you know, get compensated for your pay because uh, for for any time and pay you committed, and therefore you want to have an exit clause because some because if you don't have an exit clause, well, you could run into a situation where they're not legally obligated to pay you, right. and and so basically you could have spent like months working on something and literally have nothing for it, like literally nothing to show for it, right. um, and you know it's 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 one of those things that not a lot of um con- you don't see it a whole lot of times in contracts because most of the publishers usually expect that people who take up their contracts will just work the job and get it done as fast as they can you know and uh and you know sometimes they may need extensions or otherwise whatever but and there's also mm-hmm. stipulations for that too but again the whole point is like the ex- an exit clause is mostly to protect you as a freelancer uh and also you know and that's more for for anything else uh because the contract already exists to protect the 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 publisher that's the whole point they have one or they give you one right so so if now if you're the freelancer or the contract who is issuing a contract obviously you should also still include an exit clause for yourself because you know you never know what happens um because you never know when things go wrong when things go awry or when you just don't agree with this and you're just like i want out um so so you you always want to have an exit strategy as they say so right. you so you want to have an exit clause as well because uh, you because you really don't know when something just doesn't work out
0: right um the well I'm actually going to go uh, in a podcast uh, in a pack. Podca- uh, let's try this again. I'm actually going to have an episode in which uh, I'm going to go over some some contracts, some jargon, uh, mm-hmm. some help with how this goes. Um, I want to state, however, that yeah. an exit clause is specifically to help protect either you as a a contractor or freelancer Mm -hmm. as well as perhaps the company depending on whether or not they realize how it works um
1: (laughs) yeah that that one especially
0: (laughs) right right um because again if you're the company hiring other people then you usually have a a termination clause and this just means Mm -hmm. that you know what this project isn't working or that particular freelancer isn't working and we're just going to terminate and null and void this contract it's this isn't you know, mm-hmm. we're not going forward at all. Right. Um, however, this doesn't immediately mean that they're not going to pay you. It usually means that they will, because that's a part of the clause. Um, usually, usually. can't stress that word. Usu- enough. Usually.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I can attest. I see some right. termination clauses that don't say it anywhere.
0: Right. <laughs> now, Whoa. here's one of the reasons why, um, uh, you should absolutely um, learn a structure of a contract because you can mm-hmm. state anywhere else. I specifically have a, a section in my contract that talks explicitly about how I'm getting paid, how much, mm-hmm. and by when. Because mm-hmm. even if there's a you know termination or exit clause or whatever, I still minimally will get paid this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And even if the person doesn't want to, I have a legal leg to stand on in court. Yep. So wording of your contract is really, really important. hmm However, the difference between the two is uh, one basically makes it null and void, and another one allows you to very amicably just end a project. <laughs>
1: sometimes it's not
0: amicably but no no but as far as far as a court would be concerned yeah
1: yeah from a court's perspective yeah it is considered amicable
0: (laughs) yes and the reason that's a huge deal is that someone else can't unless you're purposefully um or you know with intention um not fulfilling your contract as stated and you don't have this clause in there, you can be sued for that work. Mm-hmm. That is entirely possible, especially if they have given you any any payment at all.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: But this is a this is a small industry, and the majority of people don't pay you. And this this is what really sucks. You don't get paid the majority of the time until not only is the work done but approved
1: yeah that uh, and that is something that and that is something that happens especially for some of the larger uh, publishers because yes especially if you're working for if you're if you're working for a publisher and you're working on a property that uses an act an end an, an IP from someone else um yes. so like for example if you ever see any TTRPGs made from say like Star Wars you know things like that or Star Trek even, or um, other movies and other franchises, right? They have to deal with their IP owners, whoever owns them at the time, um, and you know they may they may have, there might be an approval process. Most some some do, most do, um, and the thing is, you have an additional step on top of the editing, which is there's an approval process, yep. and and the thing is, if you're like a writer. You probably will not see your payout until after approvals, which could be way after copy editing phase or way after layout and proofreading, which is a long time. And that is probably the the worst.
0: As an artist, we're more likely to see it first because usually stress the word. Usually. (laughs) Yeah. We get, well, I shouldn't say that we get paid immediately after it. We usually get to submit our full invoices <clears throat> once the work mm-hmm. has been approved, but that's once the final work is done. Right. So mm-hmm. to put it in perspective, if I am doing a world map and it takes me four to six weeks to make it, then I have to submit the draft. That draft has to be approved however long that approval process is. And mm-hmm. then I get the time to make the map in the four to six weeks, and then that has to be approved, and any edits done, and blah, 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 and then that gets colored, and then that gets approved, and then...
1: Yep. Mm -hmm. So, you know,
0: we're talking easily, you know, two months here. Yeah,
1: two, three months easy on top of it.
0: Where this is the only thing that I have the time to do, because it's such Mm -hmm. a large project, so I don't get to do any other work, I'm not getting paid by anything, this is it, mm-hmm. so you know, and that's really hard to budget when you are, when you are doing this for a living, you, yeah. you can't assume anything, which is what makes it so hard, which again, which mm-hmm. is why things like Patreon are so important, because yeah. at least granted it's it's monthly but at least it's a lot easier to kind of like all right i definitely have this stable income that i know is coming in oh thank the gods because you know i'm still working on a two-month project and and then even once i get to submit the invoice a lot of them pay within 90 days
1: yeah yeah so we're talking Um, six
0: months mm. of no pay
1: yeah yeah exactly um, and peop- and if pe- listeners are probably wondering why does it take so long? Because if you're for the 90 day payouts, so if you're using a bank, yep. you cannot pay out until you pay unless you have the money physically to do so. Because obviously, it's you bounce. You would be the equivalent of bouncing a check. So, right. and so you're you wouldn't have so you wouldn't have funds. You would overdraft. So you're not allowed to actually pay out. The banks would never let you pay out unless you have the funds to do so. And so you have to go, and the thing is, usually for the larger publishers, as an accountant, there's an accountant of some variety or an accountant. Yes. And so because of that, so you have to go through some of the bureaucracy. Someone has to approve the invoice, then they go, then they have to call the invoice, which is somebody has to then make sure that there's money in available and then and then set up the the, the process of sending money to the account of the, right. that's stating the invoice. And then the and then that goes to the bank which then goes to you and yeah. it's, or or if you're doing especially if you're doing why uh, ba- like checking or ach transfers that's how that works now if you're doing it through paypal still the same thing the only difference is now they have to make sure that one then they have to just have to do it through paypal that's all
0: yeah and most bigger and, companies are not going to pay you through paypal
1: well no one wants to pay the extra fees and right. um or if they do or or now the thing is i will say this con some so a lot of remote companies will do PayPal just because of the convenience, yeah, um, and because it's because a lot of their contractors are ninety percent of them are remote. Okay, and that's just how it is, um, and and it's necessary, especially for like a lot of people who also are freelancers, not just like United States or in Europe. It's like we're so because this will help a lot of this. This is also useful for obviously contractors in like Asia, the global South, etc. So, um, so that's why. You know, it depends on your situation, how you handle the payout. Um, like some companies do not contract outside the United States. That's just how they are, because it's easier for them to do the accounting, and that's valid. Um and some are international and they just and the only and they just and they know that the fees that the fees and the conversions are just gonna get eaten up and there's nothing they can do about it. Um uh hopefully they would give you a better wage to mitigate that, but some don't.
0: Um No. Yeah, no. (laughs)
1: Uh, And so um, it's just one of those things that you have to be mindful of too because like um, now some publishers, like every publisher is going to be different in terms of how they do payout. What we are going, what like Dev and I have stated is really the epitome of like dealing with IPs, like especially with specifically publishers who happen to work with IPs, especially. Like that is like the, like that is you have, you have all that gauntlet to go through before right. you get paid um, other publishers are a little quicker with the uptake of pay and others are um, and there's a few that are large that still pay by check which baffles me yep. Um,
0: yep. And, and
1: I'm just like okay you pay by check okay right.
0: Right. <laughs> why do you do this why do you do this
1: in the age when we can't even trust you as Postal for anything um,
0: right Oh my God!
1: Uh, so, any, yeah, so yeah, you, yeah, if you are fortunate to ever work in freelancing and you, or of any variety, and your pay is in a in a form that is quick and painless and fee-less, congratulations hey. to you. You've made it where most most cannot, because <laughs> hey. that is very uh. difficult to achieve. Yes, um, it is. Um, So like, uh, actually speaking of which one, one of the, one of the publishers I just worked for, they, for pay, they, they, they do, uh, wire ACH transfers. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I will take the money. Uh... I am so grateful. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so sometimes you don't have that luxury. You have to kind of take whatever form is available to you, um, um, and just be mindful of that, um. Because and the thing is like also be, and the thing is the only reason we can't be specific about some of this is because some publishers have an in their NDAs we cannot talk about their practices and methods of like how they operate business. so we can't be we cannot be specific in some of them. Right. Um, so if you're wondering why we can't be specific about certain things because it's in there's a, we, we're still affected by their NDA still. we can't really say much. Right. Um, so. However,
0: thankfully enough, that is more editors and writers than it is artists.
1: Yeah, it's definitely more, yeah, the artists are a little bit different, but it is, um, I will say, though, like, I I feel for the times, though, when uh, the artists have to go through approvals, because I'm just going, oh my god, I'm so sorry for you, because that was, like, months of work, and you're just waiting.
0: When, so, (laughs) speaking of uh, Magic the Gathering cards, the... The amount of normal approval that you have to get to do any artwork, especially with Wizards of Ghosts, you know, Mm -hmm. is at times, um, it's a process in that, like, you submit (laughs) your art, right? I know, it's a process, all right. Uh, You submit your art, your art director either immediately gives you notes and then you fix it from there. If they don't have any notes then it goes to, you know, like who's working with the project and everything else coordinator. Mm -hmm. And then usually, stress the word, usually um, that might go to one or two other people at best and then it comes back to you and, it, you know. So, we're talking you know, two three weeks you Mm -hmm. know, for approval. Mm -hmm. Um, With the the Magic the Gathering cards, because you have to include the Tolkien Estate. (laughs) Yes, we did. And they were so slow to get back. And not, I mean, you've seen all the artwork. There's a lot,
2: a lot that they were
0: going through.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So I had uh, at one point, so I was contacted in like November of 2021. Uh Mm hmm about doing these cards and i finished them in like may of 2022 Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know and it's like oh for fuck's sake you know like it's (laughs) great yeah yeah cards and artwork were still done pretty much in 2021 because i know the lands by heart yeah Mm
2: -hmm. you know
0: so there was like a couple of edits, a little bit of back and forth, but everything was pretty much done in like um, January at right. the latest. Mm-hmm. So I had to wait like four months to hear anything back before oh. it was like, yo, no, it's finally approved.
1: Oh, I, so I will, so, oh. so for Fallout, when we were working, when I was writing for Winter of Adam, um, and so we did different stages of writing because we had, Pre-production writing, which was uh, we had a, we had a, we had an editor writing like a lot of like the the basic concepts of, of like the lore, the style guide, among other things, and then we had a person doing some world building, and then I was coming in to do mechanics. so I was handling like combat and monster creation and stuff like that, and then I was I was I had to come back later to do stat blocks for the majority of the, the of the campaign, right. and. So the thing, so so what I so the first things I submitted for approvals for Bethesda were the combat stuff, um, and that was like an entire appendix of just like how to build, how to design encounters, build encounters, and and everything else. And so I we sent that in. And it was like near the end of uh twenty twenty one. I want to say. Like Mm -hmm. near the end of it. And then I think we got like, it took like, then we got like, uh, some, I think we got some approvals back by March or April. And then I submitted the rest of the stat blocks later. And then there was a long period where we never heard back from Bethesda because, um, because Bethesda, because that was the same, because that was, because you have have to understand that that was 2020, that was like around like, 2022, right? That was like springtime. That was right around the time when they were about to announce Starfield. <laughs> so, so we, right. so, once, so, so, when I was, so, when I saw the announcement for Starfield, I just went, I see why there's a delay now. <laughs> it's <Wait. laughs> it like, I wondered why there was a delay. Now that explains everything. And, and, uh, plus it was like the last E3. So, like, w- before people realized that was the last E3. So, it was like between E3 and all the other shows they went to. And I'm just going, I see why there's a problem,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and oh yeah, and so and when we finally got the full manuscript approved, it was like almost a ho- almost roughly a year since i I joined and signed up, which was like around q three of twenty twenty one so like near the end of q three we were like done and it was like manuscript was approved and everything and I was just like, oh good God. <laughs> Right. Uh. <laughs> oh my God! And like, I was just like, "Oh my God!" It's been so long because my even my fa- even even myself, I and my family was like, they were like, because they knew I worked on like something big that took a lot, a lot of my time. They were like, "Is it done yet?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> no, nowhere, near no <laughs> <laughs> nowhere near the word. Nowhere near the word." And 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 you know, I had to wait for. The majority of that before I got paid, and can you imagine?
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Can you I imagine can. waiting?
1: Yeah. So, so you have to. So, like, you know, waiting almost a year and change from when I signed the indie signed the contract to like literally when the approvals were pretty much done. It's yes. like, like that is nowhere near the word sustainable in anywhere. No. Like, especially for the amount of money I was paid. Okay, like. Right. It's like,
0: like we, even if you get paid a lot, you know, it's one. It's you have to f- have an income to pay for it while you're waiting to actually get paid, right? Right. And like, then it's, it's all in one lump sum that you have to now make work for the rest of the year or or however long.
1: Right. And, oh. and that, but that's that's not that's not livable because you have to figure no. everyone has credit card bills, so we're paying monthly for credit card bills. But our pay, but us as freelancers, our pays are not monthly that's why it's right. so important to have like monthly platforms like patreon or whatever because that's what keeps freelancers up to date with their bills to not pile up right but, but the reality is it's like when we get paid that immediately goes into the bigger expenses that we have to take care of like you know our rent our mortgage whatever um and if you know and if we're lucky to redo rescheduling for like certain uh big pays pay, uh, things that pick that require a lot of money right if we can we we might change it to like quarterly if we're lucky um, right. and that's the only way we can mitigate that right and it's just because, like um what was it i remember i changed my health ins- my uh my, my my health insurance and life insurance uh uh payouts to uh differently just so i could you know dance around the fact that you know freelancing sometimes is the only pay in a consistent basis and that way i when i get a chunk of cash it can just pay and i can just hold on to it for like maybe a couple weeks and then it'll go for that quarter and i don't have to worry about it um because like um and plus like if you're in ttrpgs like there's like seasons of of like when jobs are available Um, yeah because like so for for those who are listening it's like so you ever notice there's no Kickstarters usually around like the springtime? Yeah, no, because everyone's planning for the Kickstarters for, for next for this year and next year. And yep. so there's usually no Kickstarters. There's very few. Uh the ones who do, if you ever look at them and if you ever pay attention to them, because I used to do this when I was when I was like blogging for for a small little outlet, um, mm-hmm. it's like you don't those those can't most of those campaigns don't make a lot of money unless it's like from a big IP. And otherwise mm-hmm. they don't make a whole lot of money and the thing is the biggest the biggest times of the year for kickstarters is always in the late springs and during the summer uh especially during like the times of gender um so yep. that's usually when you start seeing the surge so usually it's so it's like so it's the, so your so your bell curve is that you'll start seeing more jobs or more offerings of jobs like around like the late spring summer time because the kickstarters will kick in the the campaigns will kick in when they're when they wrap up in a month, they start hiring out the freelancers so they can start building the stuff that they promised that they'll dis- deliver or distribute, right? And then, uh, and then you'll see a slowdown as it gets closer to the holiday months, um, mostly because um, uh, th- usually the availability of people to work really is what it is. Because like I know, like when we do, like because usually like some freelancers, if you have the privilege to. You're going to tell yourself, "I'm not going to work during the holidays. <laughs> I'm not taking more. Jo- I'm not taking gigs on the during the holidays." If you're privileged enough to do so, you will probably say that. Um, right. Now, so whether you you'll can, do, actually, but
0: you will say it.
1: You will say it. Now, whether you do it is a completely different matter altogether.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, exactly.
1: And and so, like, um, so it, but so sometimes you'll see like maybe some a, a few sprinklings of gigs near the winter months, like the later half, like the last few months of the year. But you won't always see a lot. Trust me. Um, right. and because, because they're, it's getting to the holidays, any of the bigger publishers they usually take, they usually have like some, they usually have like a week or two where there's where no one is in the office, the office is closed. So, and if you're in the smaller, if you're in the smaller scale side, um, they may, people might just choose to spend in the holidays instead of actually, you know, producing because they already had to do that the rest of the year. Um, yeah. so, you know, so you're, so you're always going to see the bell curve fit around like the time and like the and maybe the early spring because they'll want to get all these people hired or contracted in and secure them so then when they do the campaigns they they get the funding for the campaigns then they start everybody working and the end of the summer the the fall seasons and then they'll hopefully have a manuscript already and done by the end of the year and then they can release the book by spring or late either sp- either spring or summer the next year Ideally, that's the ideal world, but it's that, that does in production that doesn't always happen. <laughs>